Welcome to the Push Performance Podcast. Sweet. What's going on, guys? We're, we're, we're fired up for another episode of a little dual podcast today. We're kind of co-hosting it. Uh, we got Push Performance in here along with Major League University, and we are excited to dive into it. Um, a lot of really good stuff as far as what they do, what we do, and how it blends together, how, it, how we can help athletes reach their peak performance and full potential on and off the field. Um, I'm Austin Byler. We got Ray Mack to my left. We got Ashton and DJ down in the bottom here, and we are excited to get this thing rocking and rolling. But before we get started, DJ, Ashton, how are you guys doing? Good. I'm doing great, Austin. How are you, man? <laughs> good, good, I talk to you every day now. I know, man. <laughs> hey, we've been texting. We're on like 80 different threads. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Um, it's great. I appreciate the patience, though, man. It's been really fun and um, just really Absolutely. cool to see how we can blend together. And um, for you guys, man, we, we've heard a lot of great things about you. And then on my end, got to go down there to the facility last week out in Tempe, Arizona. And unbelievable, great spot really cool atmosphere and a lot of great people coming in and out of that building. So um, we love what you guys do, big supporters, and we're excited to chop this thing up, man. But kind of fill us in, man. I know you guys started in Colorado. Um, we'll actually yep. be going out there as well sometime in May and, and getting to meet a lot of the crew out there, which is really cool. Uh, but fill us in. How'd you guys get started? What kind of is your background and, and really what led you on to this side of, of performance training? Yeah, um, for me, I, I'm the founder of it, of Push Performance. Started it in 2011, um, which is seems like not too long ago, but it's actually a long time. Right. Um, I didn't start doing what I do with the base on the baseball side until I want to say probably 2015, 2014, probably. Um, so my background, I went to Metro state university, played baseball there. Um, I, out of high school, I was like 140 pounds, 510, 140 pounds, small, um, had a couple D one offers actually, uh, signed at the university of Hawaii. Should have went there instead of a JUCO, but um, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now if I went to Hawaii. I'll tell you that. I'd be surfing every day. But, uh, you know, I went to Southern Idaho out of high school. Uh, my dad and I sat down and talked. He was, hey, man, like, you're a good baseball player, but you're way undersized for one. And for two, it's a different different world. My dad had a good feel. He was a baseball guy. Um, you know, I... I, I, you know, I had to take a good look at it. Like, all right, like I need to get bigger. I need to get stronger. I would probably won't play till junior, senior year, maybe play at all. Uh, so I went to Southern Idaho my freshman year. It was a great town, great teammates. Coaching staff was terrible. We had nine out of 11 uh, of us leave freshmen leave at a junior college. Wow. Um, yeah. The, it just it was just, it was a tough atmosphere, tough culture. Um, that taught me a lot of kind of where I'm at now. I'll get into that too. It's like, culture is everything right um the leadership that they had was you know it was just kind of like hard-nosed and old school and it was just like not for a lot of the guys we had you know I'm not saying I'm soft or anything but it was just like under pressure for me I was like I couldn't I couldn't handle it you know yeah. from there I I had an opportunity to actually go to Lamar Community College which is down in uh, southern Colorado uh we were ranked fourth in the nation. We were nasty. We were like 56 and eight, I think it was 56 and 10 or something like that was our record. Um, we were, we were really, really, really good. Uh, we actually ended up losing to South mountain in the super regional, um, which we, which we work with here now. I was um, going to say, look at that. How ironic <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. And we, and we actually programmed for Lamar as well. So yeah. current, currently, so yeah. it's kind of like a love hate relationship right there. But um, when I was at Lamar art, hands down best coach I ever had, uh, Scott Crampton, who's now the AD there, uh, really put the emphasis in the weight room. Um, that was my biggest thing. You'd make fun of me for, in a good way versus like what they're doing at Southern Idaho, where I'd swing a wet newspaper, right? Where the bat, bat was going backwards, you know, um, you know, moving me from third or short to second base. So they said my arm wasn't good enough, you know, and just all that kind of stuff. So it was just like, all right, well, you know, you're giving me an opportunity. You're good, leading me in the right direction. And that was the culture I wanted to be a part of, right? They gave us keys to the, to the indoor. We were able to hit at 10 p.m. at night, access to the weight room whenever we wanted. Um, so, you know, I got bigger, stronger. I probably, when I left Lamar, I was probably 175. So I put on 20-something pounds, which is pretty sweet. Um, and then I went to uh, Metro, and I was an everyday player. Played every single day. Had a pretty good, you know, career there. Um, and I just fell in love with the process of the weight room. And then I took a step back and I was like, what, what's going on with baseball specific training, right? I was doing NFL training. I was doing all this other stuff. And I had a couple of baseball players I was working with, but 
I just noticed how un, like I'd go to universities and visit and like look at how they're training their baseball players or look at how organizations are training their baseball players. And I realized the disconnect was everybody's trained like at that time, they were trained like a football player or they're just not doing enough, right? There's two two ends of the spectrum. It's like you either go all out, you know, not wrote not not for a rotational athlete, or you you coddle the athlete where you're not you're not doing much for them. You're not putting them in the load. You're not stressing their body. You're not doing things that you need specifically. So um, from there, I just, you know, looked at the culture of baseball and where they're at and like the unique movements of baseball and just started to go head first into it. Um, I hope I ended up starting training at 24 hour fitness. I was living in Vail, Colorado with my, my current wife, uh, who was my girlfriend at the time. She was like, Hey, what are you gonna do with your life? I was like, I want to be a, be a trainer. So she was like, apply at 24 hour fitness. So I did, <laughs> I actually didn't get the job at first. Um, cause I had a beard and, um, <laughs> dude, it's a mess. It's a mess. <laughs> and, and, uh, my story is kind of long. Sorry. Uh, good. and, uh, so then I reapplied at a different location. I actually got the job, ended up there for like a year and a half and they fired me because I was making too much money. They had paid me too much and every single bonus. Um, they made up some BS excuse. So then I was like in a panic. I was like three, no lie, three weeks before I got married. Um, my wife and I paid for our whole wedding. I was making like two grand a month at 24 hour fitness, you know, <laughs> falling out. Um, and, uh, so I ended up renting space in this office is like office building, like in the basement, it was like 800 square feet, something like that carpet on the ground, couldn't drop weights. I was like, man, you know, I, like I was talking cultures, everything. Right. And at this time I started training, um, you probably heard the name Kevin Gosman. Yeah. He's, he was fourth overall. He was like kind of our first bigger name athlete. And, um, I was like, I needed my own facility. So I met with this guy, um, not gonna mention his name, but he opened up, he, he went in together and opened this facility and he had his brand in a different location, but he was more so on the lines of like training general population and tried to just hook up with girls the whole time he was training, honestly. <laughs> and so I, I asked like a year into it, I was like, dude, like, this isn't for me. You're not, you don't have the same vision as me. Um, you know, I just want to be a coach at the gym. Right. And so you let me go of the, of the, of my responsibility as an owner and I, <laughs> and, uh, and I show up to work one day and the entire gym is gone. So all my equipment stole everything from me. Um, so I had, luckily I had, I was in the process of opening our own, our new facility in Highland Ranch, and I had a garage full of stuff and I was probably like a three week layover. Thank God. But I only had 10 to 15 athletes at that time anyways. Um, so then we went to in Highland Ranch, Colorado, and that's kind of where push performance really began. It was, um, you know, a lot of, like I was telling Ashton all the time, you know, 5 a.m., 4 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day, just grinding it out, meeting people, setting up meetings, um, you know, building, building the relationship of with the coaches we have there now or the, or the colleges we have now. Um, and then, you know, 10 athletes turned into 20, 20 turned into 30, 40, 50, 100. And then we're like, oh, shoot, we need to get another facility. So then we ended up opening a facility um, in Inglewood, Colorado, which is about the same size that we have now. It's 10,000 square feet. Uh, we did that about four, three years ago, I want to say. Um, it's awesome facility. Um, and then I started traveling here to Arizona multiple times a week, just building a clientele. And then I was like, Ash, my wife, Ash, Ashley, not Ashton. Um, we, we, uh, we, uh, we're going to be moving to Arizona probably within the next couple of years. And, you know, here we are. That's, that's kind of the story right there. <laughs> that's so awesome, man. I like the yeah. aspect of just like the adversity. I mean, all your equipment gets sold, it's done. And then you move into yep. a new facility, you start with 10 and the next thing you know, it's thousands. It's crazy yep. how, how it evolves like that. Um, what'd you learn through the process then? Cause building a business obviously is tough. And we have a lot of listeners who are coaching to build a yep. culture or yep. like family members who are building businesses. What, what do you have on that end? Relationships is everything. Number one. Um, that's how many times do I say that? Ashley? <laughs> All the time. Every yeah, day. <laughs> yeah every day relationships and culture is everything. Um, you know, caring for the people, people first versus money. Um, but at the same time, it's just like going through that adversity. It just teaches you like your circle shrinks, right? You don't know who you can trust 
Um, you can trust a few number of people, but like if you had, you know, I had friends from college and friends from high school that I played with and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I don't, I probably talked to three of those people now at total, you know? Um, so your circle gets real small if they're not on the same page as what you want to do and who you are and your vibe that you're, that you're putting out. Like, that's just, that's not going to work out, you know? Um, so your circle is everything. If they're not supporting you, then, you know, you prove them wrong, essentially. And that's where I've been. It's like, how come this person over here is getting all this success and getting all the recognition and all that stuff? Because I don't care about, but it's like, I'm better than that. You know what I mean? Um, and I think it's just when, for me, when I stopped caring outside the, outside what's going on in our four walls, that's when we kind of really took off. It's like, you can't have outside distractions, limit your, you limit your success or limit your potential. Right. And you can't get pissed about what other people are saying about you. You can't get upset with, you know, if somebody doesn't like the program you can't get upset with whatever, because I have now thousands of people that love, love what we're doing. You know what I mean? Um, whether you train with us or not, you know, and, or people are saying like, Hey, I want to come train with you this summer. I want to do this. I want to do that next off season, you know, but then we always have those sour grapes or sour apples where it's like, you, you don't belong here. We've told kids to leave. We told athletes to leave professional athletes, you know, um, and it's just not for everybody. I had to, that's the biggest thing I had to learn. And, and also as far as the culture aspect, the culture starts, I think with the athletes that you put in the door, right. Or for a coach, the athletes you recruit, um, so, you know, you can set the culture per se with the coach as the coaching staff, but like the athletes are the ones who actually build the culture in my opinion. I love that. That's really good. Ray, what do, what do you got? Cause I know you got some good stuff on culture, especially with coach Jay. And just like one thing that our old coaches say is, Hey, if I'm recruiting you, I'm picking my family. Like I'm not, yep. I'm not just picking you to pick you cause you're the best player. Like I'm picking you to be a part of my family, you and the 125 or 50 or 40, however many kids are there. Like you were picked to be a part of my family. Ray, what do you got? Yeah, no, I just wrote down <clears throat> people over product because that's something that we've been trying to live by over the last couple of years. And, and you hit it on the head that, you know, we want to put the people first and the relationship first. And, and the same thing happened. I, I had coached at Nevada, was really fortunate to go to University of Arizona when Jay got that job um, and then USD and UC Davis most recently. But everywhere you go, it's always the same. If you don't lay the foundation with the kids that you have and, and really build that relationship first, the team itself is going to struggle in the long term. So I, I couldn't agree more with what you're saying there. Yeah, the, the people over profits is huge because, I mean, we're the same way, right? Like, hey, put in the people first, relationship building, those types of things. But it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. And that's the hardest part for, I think, a lot of people is like, let's say it, say it, say it. But are we going to take the action to do it? Um, something that we pride ourselves on is like, hey, if there's a if we're running a camp, right, and somebody can't afford it, dude, just come. Like, you don't have to say, you know, I'm not going to exclude you because you can't get here. Like, we know that there's financial barriers and that's kind of what we're doing with the NFT project. So it's like, hey, we can use this to help you get into here for free. So you get the experience and maybe it changes that kid's life forever because of that environment or that culture like you guys have just being in the room with other people who are striving for something uh, great in their life. So that is huge. Now, there, here's a question that I wanted to ask you guys, too. And this was something that you brought up when I was down there in the facility last week. Like, hey, when we're going to connect with people, we're going to get people in here. I'm like, what's the, the problem statement? And it was people don't always know exactly what we do. And it's yeah. crazy because like <laughs> just some of the coaches I connect you guys with are like, dude, love what you guys do. I see it all the time. I hear about it, this and like people know it, but I don't know if they always know exactly what you do or exactly uh, yeah. what we do. Do right? you know? <laughs> I know. It's like, do you really know? Or do you just see this dude is, is balling yeah. out? Um, yeah. But so for the listeners out there who are curious, and we have a lot of Arizona listeners, like what exactly do you guys do and how do you aid in that developmental process for an athlete growing up through the ranks? I mean, yeah, it's, for me, it was like generalization was everything right when in sport. So mm -hmm. I took a step back and it's like, everything is customization for us, right? Where they're like that. Um, you're, you're going to come in, you're going to come in, you're going to, it doesn't matter if you're, if there's two left-handed pitchers side by side at 175 pounds and they both throw 94 miles an hour. Right. They move differently. They have different demands in their body. They have different issues. You know, the nuts and bolts, they have the same characteristics, but one might, one might have. And so then we're going to look at the way that you move in our assessment process. From that assessment process, we're going to look at the way you move on the mound as a pitcher, say as a pitcher. Okay. Um, and then, so we'll look at your pitch profile as, a, you know, on the track man, we're going to look at your, 
um, your video on the mound, and then we're going to compare it to what we see in our assessment, the way you move dynamically and um, statically on the table, right? Um, we understand that the static portion of it is more so the injury prevention. The dynamic portion is more so the performance side. Um, I can't say injury prevention, injury reduction. Sorry. Um, there's no such thing as preventing injuries, but, um, you know, so we'll look at that. So say like, a, say that, say one left, that one lefty is a high vertical break guy has throws, you know, up in the zone a lot, you know, whatever, whatever he has his pitch characters to be, what are his X, Y, Z's for his off speed? How, what fastball grip is he throwing? Why is he throwing that fastball grip? Right. The next guy is more of so a horizontal movement guy. Right. So he's throwing more two, two seams versus four seams, probably sliders versus curveballs. Um, so looking at why he moves that way. And then the lefty that rotates well is going to be the guy that is throwing two seam fastballs. So we want to add, keep him rotating throughout the program. Maybe get him to create more stability. He's less stiff, a better mover. Right. Another guy is going to be a forcing guy that throws high vertical break. He's going to have more lateral flexion, lateral tilt, um, higher arm slot, uh, forcing grip. Like I said before, more of a curveball versus a slider, um, you know, get, get diving in that way. And then, you know, looking at in, uh, rotations, we look at all athletes as rotational athletes, right? It doesn't matter if you're a sprinter, or, uh, if you walk, um, if you run, whatever you're doing, golfer, tennis player, even a football player, right? Every time you walk, you're in rotation, right? Like mm. that's rotating. Um, so we need to allow these guys to rotate, but also some guys over rotate. So how are we going to stop that? Um, some guys lack internal rotation. Some guys lack external rotation. So we're going to bias exercises in the weight room to get you to achieve better external rotation in say your pelvis, right? Or we're going to get you in a rear foot elevated split, split squat position to bias your, your internal rotation in your pelvis. Um, so we can manipulate what you're doing on the mound and make it more specific in the weight room, but at the same time, not taking the nuts and bolts of core exercises away that's going to get you stronger, faster, all those different things. So we want to work off this, what's called the strength speed continuum going into season. So you come to us in the off season, you get your assessment, start in the strength phase, address your deficiencies, and then kind of go up from there, right? Where we're going to start... Mm -hmm adding power once spring training gets closer or the high school season gets closer, adding, you know, more sprint output, more different things that's going to keep you on the field longer and get you more explosive. So once your velocity program starts in the weight room or in the, at, with us in our growing program, we're going to start moving faster in the weight room. So you got to compare the two. Then we also got to make sure that we have high days and low days, right? Where we have, if you have a bullpen or a side, you're going to be lifting that day because that's a high day. The next day is going to be a complete off day. So you can, uh, manage your CNS fatigue, your, your, you know, decrease in performance that way, where you're, if you, instead of going high, 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 like where you have a bullpen or a side, a lift, long toss, lift game, like you never have a, you never have time off, right. You're never going to recover. So on our off days, we give them movement, movement stuff, personalized movement stuff to regain losses of range of motion. They might see our physical therapist at next era. Um, whatever it may, whatever it may be that that's needed. Um, and you know, it's fully comprehensive to each athlete, what they have. Each athlete has their own individual plan, whether it's position player, pitcher, whatever it may be. Yeah. I like the, uh, indiv individualization of everything too, where, yeah. Hey, if you're this guy, boom here, if you do this, if you do that well. And then yeah. for me, when I played, man, I had no, no rotation at all. <laughs> so <laughs> is there like an internal and external deficiency in somebody? Cause that was me. I'm sure it was like, hips are locked. It's like, yeah, just unlock these things a little bit. Um, yeah. which I really, really like. That's really interesting. So no, I love it, man. Especially the, the having the rest days and not just being super high all the time, like having time to rest and, and kind of cool yeah. down. Um, really key really really key ray you got anything no i was just i was interested to hear how ashland got involved in this whole deal so like i obviously dj founded this whole thing but when did ashland get involved yeah so uh, i'm ashland <laughs> um, my background is i used to work in sports marketing um i worked for um spring training at camelback ranch of the dodgers and the white Sox. i was the marketing coordinator out there um and i also worked for the diamondbacks doing community affairs so i was interested in the world of baseball. And I took a little break and worked more on the PR marketing side and Cal I moved to California. And then, um, my dad, Mark Meisner, he's also, he's one of the, um, partners at our Arizona location. Um, and they're looking to just kind of have more of a, you know, 
work on social media, kind of help with operations, bring everything, kind of just help everything, streamline everything. And I was looking to kind of move out of that corporate setting. And I was like, I could do it. I'm happy to do that. Um, so I found just kind of how much, you know, I got to kind of mix both of my worlds of marketing and, um, you know, being a fan of baseball and working in baseball. So kind of perfect setting for me. And um, I also am a yoga instructor. So with our pro guys that during the off season, I was able to kind of take a more baseball specific um, approach because, you know, there's certain positions they shouldn't be in. We don't want to cause any other issues. Um, so once a week on kind of the, the mobility days or movement days, um, a bunch of our guys would do baseball specific yoga as well. So kind of wearing a lot of different hats, um, learning under DJ along the, along the way, but yeah, that's kind of my story mixed into everything. That, that's awesome. We, we started yeah. our guys at uh, San Diego on the yoga plans. And yeah. at first you get a little bit of pushback, uh, <laughs> you know, a bunch of 20 year old dudes doing yoga together, but eventually sure. <laughs> they're like, they're buying in, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So well, the awesome. first year we did it, guys were like, oh, don't know if I need this, it's just <laughs> yeah. do what I normally do. And yeah. then we had some guys feeling good and guys telling me like, I'm looking forward to Thursday. And it just kind of had a a shift and I would explain to them, you know, why we're doing certain things and just always went back to that as well, which is what we believe in also. So, um, they kind of trusted me more with that. So that was, that was a nice little shift there. <laughs> Goes back to relationships again. Absolutely. Exactly. And, and the way you guys are handling the, the holistic approach to athletes and really specific specifying on what each guy's problems or uh, deficiencies are, I think is really awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We also that. take that. We also take that uh, that customization approach to uh, the team setting too, right? Yeah. Where we have multiple teams that we work with from universities, call it like junior colleges, high schools all around the nation, where each guy's still on a somewhat customized program, right? We've we've come up with a system that you know allows us to customize, but also get through fifty to sixty dudes at one time, you know. Uh, whether you're a freshman or a senior, everybody's still able to work out together and, you know, have success, whether you're, you know, player X is doing this, player Y is doing this, right? So um, that's something that we've able, been able to do also is, you know, being able to add more teams to a kind of our pot versus just, just the individual uh, athlete itself. How does that work? So if I'm coaching in Northern California for per se, yep. I have a high school team and I want to get involved with you guys what's, what's the first step? And like, then what would you guys do with my team to get them all kind of situated? Ashley, you want to talk about first step? <laughs> yeah. So it depends. So for example, so if you were in California or in a different state, um, we'd either have a coach go out there or kind of just kind of discuss, you know, if we wanted to set up remote assessments, typically it's easier to have someone out there to kind of get that going for a team setting, but we basically go through all of the athletes um, doing kind of like a mini assessment, not as extensive as our assessments in house, but it's kind of a one-off, but we'll put them into four groups. Um, so it's not fully customized, but based off of kind of what we're seeing. So we have the foundation groups. So the hypermobile, hypermobile, and then more advanced and those same two as well. And then we split them up and we have the programs for all four groups and um we're able to you know progress as needed and then sometimes athletes will be like wait i want a fully customized i'm really liking how this is working so far and we'll have those athletes doing their own programs as well um so if we were if you were in a remote setting we'd kind of set you guys up and then from there have check-ins you know come out as needed with one of our high schools we currently have we have him go out go out three times a week actually because they're really they've really been enjoying it um and they just set up their lifts whether that's you know some teams have it, you know, built in as a class or before school or whatever that looks like. We, we're flexible with that. Um, we make sure that, you know, we get them what they need and that they're progressing and we can adjust where, like I said, about as needed throughout. And then awesome. if you're, if you're say in California or wherever a location where we're not, we'd have a coach go out yes. at the beginning of the season. And then say you had uh, the beginning of the season assessments, you played season we do postseason assessments going into off season for guys. Nice. Yeah like that yeah the, the customization is really cool and, and it's kind of like blending the mental and the physical sides of the game and, and you said something important there there's like the core lifts that we're going to do the core 
exercises that we're going to do to build strength, power, et cetera. Um, it's kind of the same in the mental side too. It's like, here's the core things that everybody's going to do. And then here's the individualization with certain guys, like whether I yep. feel more stress and anxiety, whether I carry a lot of burdens, whether I have the past or whatever it might be per athlete. So I like that piece too, to where you individualize it a little bit within the team setting. Cause then it's not like, Hey, everybody's going to do the exact same thing. And you mentioned something the other day. It was like in the professional setting, it's like a starting pitcher doing the same thing as like a, a 40 year old shortstop. It was like, these, these don't really go together very well. It's like, we like somebody's going to need something different per position and whatever that might be. So um, right. I really like that piece a lot. It's really good. Yeah. Ray, you got anything else? No, I was just thinking, I was just thinking about, I need to get my 30 year old ass on this thing. I know. know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going in the way like, of like, I walk, I run, I, I go back and forth. Like I'm not very specialized here. <laughs> I need some help. <laughs> yoga as well. I love yoga. <laughs> big fan. Hi yoga, big fan. Even yeah. Pilates. Like I'm probably throwing myself under the bus here, but I'm a big fan of Pilates. I don't do it yeah. recently, love but Pilates. I need to get back. <laughs> but it's like, you get the core strength, you move and yeah. I don't move well. So yeah. it just helps you feel good. And you get the visualization at the end. It's like, it's the best of both worlds. Um, yeah. big, big fan of that. Uh, well, no, we appreciate you guys spending some time with us today and, and just sitting down and, and sharing what you guys get to do and how you guys are impacting athletes worldwide and, and just the things that really matter within an athlete's career and, and helping develop them for success, prepare them for success. And I like the the term of injury reduction, not prevention. It's like, man, yeah. no matter what we do, I mean, it's going to happen, right? It's part of the game. Yeah. But we can reduce the chances and odds by training a specific way and giving you things that are going to help you perform at your best. So um, big fan so, of that. So, Go ahead. so who are you now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Let's flip the script. Um, so we're major league university. A lot of the stuff that we do is remote. So we're uh, I'm based in Arizona, Ray Max in California, and then we have our guy Nick in Vegas, but he's moving to Texas soon. Um, and then our boy QB in Hawaii and Jared JP, our blog writer, he's out in DC. So we're covering all, all parts of the map. We just hired a, a couple of people on to do more of like the one-on-one -on -one mental skills training. Um, Gabe down in Southern California and then Carly, she's awesome out in Pennsylvania. Um, so we're, we're kind of starting to expand and grow, but a lot of things we do is train athletes through the mental side of the game. Um, really a lot of team specific training. And then we'll do the individual work as well. Um, some one-on-one -on -one where it's more personalized with an athlete. And the way that we like to label it is like, if you're coming to us, you don't have a problem, right? I think a lot of athletes, there's like this stigma or this connotation that if I go see somebody for help, I have an issue. I have a problem. Well, we're not like a therapist or somebody to walk you through this. It's no, this is to elevate your game and to take you to the next level and to help you think in a different way that can help you perform more consistently. And so that's really how we like to, to label it and say it with our teams or individuals. Um, and so we're, we're really growing that aspect. Uh, the biggest part is kind of going into teams and helping them come together. You mentioned the culture earlier. We can really see a culture from a certain, from certain teams that are like dialed in and they know what they're doing versus teams that might be a little all around, right, and individualized and, and separated. So um, bringing teams together, a lot of the team building aspect when we do go and work with, with programs and then um, some speaking as well on mental health. So those are kind of the main things. And then we got our camps too. So we got a lot of segues. <laughs> but, but the thing with the camps is uh, we use that as a way to impact the mind, right? We get them in there with the physical skills, using our backgrounds and coaching and playing and um, being able to just give them some opportunities to impact the mind in a, uh, an easier way, right? You go in there for some skills and then you get some visualization and some, some pregame processes and in-game processes. And next thing you know, you leave better than you've been because you found something that can help you slow down and focus in the moment. So uh, we use those camps as a great way to impact the mind, get athletes together and, and bring them together. Um, really where we got into this too was for me, Ray Mack came on, what, two years ago now, about almost coming up this August. Uh, he stepped away from coaching, kind of went back to coaching and then came back in, which has been awesome, huge help. But through my playing days in, in college and pro ball, um, dealt with a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. Uh, and even though the, the physical skills and the stats were there in the stat column, the mental mindset and emotional health was not there uh, using a lot of prescription medications just to get by with painkillers and those types of things and and that was kind of my my deal right that's how I shut out the world and shut out the the failure or the success and just hey stayed in my lane um, I remember going every Thanksgiving Christmas you go back for for school and I'm sure you guys did the same thing and it's how's baseball how's baseball how's baseball like how's your sport but how are you like, like what about you the person and mm -hmm. so for yep. a long time kind of dealt with that and kept it all in until eventually I failed the drug test in professional baseball, uh, was having a lot of success. And then boom, that just kind of sent me, sent me sideways and down a spiral and 
um, after that, man, 2018 was changed, was saved and um, had a lot of started to work on the mental side, started to do gratitude, started to meditate again, started to get into some some just proactive tools that could help us and me really at the time get out of my own way uh, and went into that spring training feeling better than I've ever felt. And from that point on, it's like, man, we need to seek this. We need to start doing this because seeing it in the professional setting, I mean, 95% of my teammates were dealing with the same things, right? The stress, the pressure that you put on yourself and, and that you get externally and then going down to high school and youth kids right with social media and those types of things in comparison so um, that's really where we come in is like bridge the gap like help you process through that help you have some tools to stay equipped um, and to go into battle uh, to play freely right with football mentality so how do you so how do you approach a kid or how does a kid approach you how does a kid know that he needs to you know like start you know seeking help outside help right because a lot of time as athletes we're going to be like a lot of hard-headed i don't need help i don't need this i don't need that right so how do we get an athlete to not only worry about the, the mental performance side of stuff, but the anxiety stuff? You know, those are all things I've dealt with as well, right? Um, I'm open about that kind of stuff too. And you know, like for me, it's like how how would I have known that you're there and what you truly do to help me out, right? So how does how do you get an athlete to buy in first after the first conversation? Yeah, it's it's usually for me relating to them with my story. Like, dude, I've been at the top of the ranks. I've been highly rated. I've been all this cool stuff in the, in the stat column or on a resume sheet. But this is how I was feeling too, right? I can relate to you. I can empathize with you and, and where you're at. You're you're 100% spot on. A lot of athletes are like, ah, like I'm too good for that. Like I'm going to go work out and get big and get massive. But then you get out on the field and you're the five o'clock hitter. Like all of a sudden in the game, nothing's working for you. And you don't really even realize it. So there is a lot of that. And that's what we fight sometimes. And if, you, if you're not bought in, then that's okay, right? Same thing for you. Like it's not for everybody. Like we want athletes who are bought in and ready to go because those are the ones that get the most out of the training. Um, when you go into a team setting, it's always interesting because one of our old coaches and guys really who sparked us, he came into Nevada. Uh, we've done some stuff with him as well. Name's Dean Wellums, Team Elite Performance. And, and he travels the world to do this with a lot of really high level teams and just learning a lot from him. And, and he said something one day uh, that really stuck with me is like, Hey, 10% of the guys are going to, or girls are going to be bought in 10% are going to be totally sold out. And the other like 80% in the middle can go either way. It's like, how do you get that 80% to the top 10%? And so for us, at least when we go into a program, it's one being real, like we're not coming in suit and tie. I'm not coming in um, trying to like fancy you with all this resume and stuff. Like, no, we're going to relate to you. We're going to empathize with you. And we're going to share our stories that we went through as players. And regardless of the sport, a lot of athletes are dealing with things, right? Whether they're go to the, ex like the extensiveness of using drugs or anything like that, or it's just, Hey, my parents are hard on me. And I feel like I'm always playing for my parents and not myself. And so those things happen. And um, a lot of the times the, the parent will reach out about some of our stuff and then our college and pro guys, they'll reach out as well. Cause they're more, I guess, older and more mature with it. But um, after that first conversation, man, it's just relating to them with our story. Hey, we've been here. We've been in your shoes. I'm not just some crazy psychologist that's here to try and trip you out or anything, you know, like nothing wrong with it, but we've been in your shoes. We get where you're at and we can help lead you to where you want to go and um, at least have as much fun as you can during the journey that you have. That's awesome. Yeah. The, for, you know, we see, we see it a lot with athletes, like their parents push them too much, right. Mm -hmm. Where mm -hmm. that's an actual, actual issue. It's not so much the player itself. Like we have a couple of kids where actually I can't even say we, we, I've had a couple of kids in Colorado specifically that the, the kid wants it, but the parent pushes so hard that they just mm -hmm. drown them out, you know? And yeah. I mean, how much stuff are you doing for the parents on that side of things? How much do you, you know, how much are you, uh, talking to them and doing leadership with the parent like hey like not so much parenting right but like hey like let us take the reins of your kid trust us with this process mm -hmm. and you know how much do you guys do with on the parent side we'll tell like with the parents i'll tell them hey just be honest and real with me like share with me what you have if it's a one-on-one -on -one or if it's a group thing like just hey share whatever you're seeing and then i'll use kind of what you say and see into our conversations of what I'm getting from the athlete. But that's a big piece because a lot of the parents are putting so much pressure and I'll yep. see kids that in practices are like looking back at their parents the whole time, or they're so focused on what mom and dad think or grandma, grandpa, instead of like, what can I do here? What can I control? Um, we don't do a ton of like seminars for parents, but we're starting to get more of those because we've noticed the big need for them. Like, Hey, just, and a lot of parents want something 
because they don't even know. Like some parents never played a sport and they're trying to like they're yelling at their kid and saying, hit the freaking ball. But it, they don't realize how hard it is to hit the ball sometimes, especially <laughs> when you're thinking about your parent yelling at you in the back. Yeah. And then there's other stuff going on. So uh, we should probably do more of those seminars and things. But um, sometimes at our camps, we'll have the parents in and we'll just share with them like, hey, here's three things that you can do. Like, hey, encourage your kid, love your kid. The first question is like, how are you doing not? hey, you suck or bad pitch or that umpire was terrible. Like take it away from the game. Let's go more lifestyle. I still love you. I still care about you. And when you show that you care, at least the kid doesn't feel like they're a burden when they get in the car. And um, I think that is for parents out there listening to that car ride home or to the game is the most important time. I mean, I still remember my talks with my dad and some other parents who took us to games. And just how important it was to, to bond together, to talk about things and to not be so focused on, you went over three. What were you thinking today? <laughs> More of like, dude, that was pretty good. Wasn't he? Yeah. Okay. Hey, what do you want for dinner? Like take the, the focus off the sport so much and put it more on the person and you start to see a lot more success and you see the kids free up. Um, sometimes we got to step in and say, look, like, I'm sorry, Johnny, but you're putting so much pressure on your kid that no matter what we talk about in these meetings, your son is not going to perform any better. Your daughter is not going to perform any better. And I've seen it on both ends, male, female, it doesn't matter um, where we've had some parents who are just way too invested in it. Um, even to where some parents show up for batting practice at a college game right before the game starts. <laughs> like they thinking about that. It's like, dude, get out, let the coach do their thing. So um, you kind of got to draw the line, address it in the beginning. But at the end of the day, if somebody's not going to listen, they're not going to listen. Um, and for us, like, hey, to the kids, we'll say, look, if it is a, a situation like this and if they open up and share with us, look, like you got to respect your parents, they're your parents, they're there for you until you get out of their house. Like that's part of it. And we've had some college guys who are still living in their parents' house who are getting bombarded with some of this. Um, but look, it's your journey, not their journey. Like they might want it more than you. That's okay. But you just got to understand that they're doing this because they care about you and they think it's the best way to go about it. Is it the right way? I don't always agree with it but it's their best way in their mind of how they think they should go about it. So just acknowledge that and then go, Hey, it's my journey, my career, my moment. Let me go out and work for myself. 100%. It's just teaching the parent how to have feel, right. You mm -hmm. know, that's like what truly is feel in the baseball world. And the parent needs to learn that, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know, yeah. at around like 13 or 14, we see a lot of kids get, uh, you know, with quote unquote burnout, right. Mm -hmm. They either, they get on the bigger field, there's more pressures, there's whatever it may be going into high school, um, you know, how much, how much are you guys targeting that age group, the 12, you know, 11, 12, 13 year old guys, like what can you do for that age group? Yeah, it's a big age group. I mean, we're going, yeah. when we go to Colorado in May, um, that's really how the thing got set up. We're working with an eighth grade team, right? Feeder team, they're, they're seventh, eighth graders. And it's that time, right? So puberty starting to hit emotions are starting to hit testosterone or whatever else is happening. And, and people are changing, right? Then, like you said, you get on a bigger field. Some guys get better. Some people don't get as good. Um, so at that point, it's, it's like this, to me, it's like the most crucial time for the kids because you're preparing them for high school. You're getting them ready for what they're going to expect and what they're getting into anyways, high school wise. Um, a lot of the kids are going to competitive high schools, so they're already kind of nervous or they're feeling the pressure of like, I got to make the team or whatever that might be. Um, so just preparing them with, with little things that can help them. I call it the mental highlight reel. It's just a part of our visualization process to help them see themselves succeed, maneuver through situations on the game and just help slow their mind down a little bit before they get out there. Um, I'm big on winning the zero period. I call that the preparation period, the time before the game. And for all athletes, it's like, hey, what's in my control? The beginning of my day, the end of my day. What's not in my control? The middle of my day. Same thing as a game, before the game, after the game, but that game, not in my control, right? Whatever happens is going to happen. I can only control so much. So I really teach athletes that preparation period. How do you get your mind, body in the right place to go into your, your sport, whatever it might be, to go compete at your best? And it doesn't mean slamming four Red Bulls and popping some other things that, that probably aren't going to help you, right? But it might feel like it does. And so for them, it's like, hey, here's a ways to slow yourself down. And some guys need to be amped up, right? Some girls need to be amped up. It's the same thing. So it's just kind of learning the athlete and giving them a bunch of resources and tools. And then, hey, if this works for you, cool. Take one nugget out of this. That's going to help your game. That can help you slow down. How much, how much stuff are you doing on the follow-up stuff with these teams that you're working with? Yeah, a, a lot of it. We'll follow through. Um, we're big fans. So eventually, well, initially we said, hey, we're going in once. We're going to do the one-time hitter. Boom, we're in, we're out, we're done. Well, after a couple of those, it was it was great practice. It's still good practice. It's fun. 
but like, we want to build that relationship. Like we want to be along the journey with you. Like if you win a championship, I want to feel part of that championship. Ray wants to feel part of that championship. QB in Hawaii wants to feel part of that championship. Right. So for us, like the follow-up's big. And so, I mean, even today I have like a list of a couple of coaches that I'm calling that are some of our college teams that we've worked with just to see how they're doing. Like I see it from the outside, how they're doing, but I want to know the internal, like, how are your guys doing? How are you guys holding up as a staff? Like, is there anywhere we can help? Do we need to pop a zoom session in and just kind of get their minds right going into playoffs like what are the things that we can do to help um i think some people are more like hey each session is going to cost this this or this well that's great like yeah there's the price it's a business those things happen but for us hey if you need like an emergency session or something to just kind of pump you up a little bit or just slow them down let's go like let's do this thing so a lot of follow-up with the coaches um if it's a team it's more with the coach than any of the players but uh, the older teams, especially the college teams, they're more apt to reach out and to pick our brains and say, hey, I'm going through this at this point. What do you got for me, coach? Or how would you handle this? Or what are you thinking here? Um, so a lot of the good follow up there. And it goes back to what you said in the beginning, the relationships. Right? It's one thing to go in, crush it and then leave. It's another thing to a, sustain that throughout the season, check in with them periodically and just be there for them. And that's where we're trying to grow our team a little bit. So we have more coaches that can go handle some of these things, too. Yeah, that's what led me to that question. It was like that relationship aspect. That's that's number one key, right? And speaking yeah. of relationship, people don't really realize the, the the correlation and the cohesiveness of the mind and body relationship, mm-hmm. right? You need yeah. to have your mind right to get your body right, and you have your body right to get your mind right. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, you know that Ashton with you know going through the yoga stuff, but you know, it's like looking. I look at it like everything is in one, right? If your nutrition is bad your sleep's going to be bad. If your sleep's going to be bad, your decisions are going to be bad. If your decisions are bad, mm. then you're, you know, you're going to be worse on the field. Right. Um, yeah. And then going in the weight room stuff, it's like working out is also, uh, the, the, you know, decreases anxiety. Right. That's a piece of the yeah. puzzle to that. Right. Just because of the science and all that kind of stuff and releasing, releasing certain things in your brain, that's going to allow you to be at the top of your game you know, and then yeah. you start adding that, that mind training aspect to your body training. It's, and it's, it's huge. Right. And if you don't have that mind training, you don't want to go to the gym. You don't want to do the extra things. You just get, become lazier, you know? Yes. So people need to realize that the mind controls everything. It's the biggest, strongest muscle in your body, you know? And if you don't have your mind, right, you, everything else on the tables, you know, pointless. You're spot on, man. There was a Ray Mac read a study in our leadership Academy. I think what, maybe six months to a year ago, Ray, the Switzerland study about exercise. You remember that one? Maybe it was Sweden. Yeah. Run it by me again though. Okay. What, what I think remember? it was like, <laughs> this is what I got from it. We're talking about depression and anxiety and, and, and I yeah. think it was Switzerland and I think that could, maybe it's just because I want to go to Switzerland. I don't know. Maybe that's just my thing. But um, it was one of those two countries. And the study was trying to see like, what did exercise, just daily exercise three times a week. It didn't even have to be daily, just three times a week of like 30 minutes of exercise. What does that do for our mental health? And the, the study, I believe, was 75% or more of people who claim to be depressed or anxious or just have extreme like sorts of anxiety and those types of things when they exercise three times a week or more for that 30 to 45 minute window that they were studying their, uh, their mental health, their like increased massively, their depression significantly decreased their anxiety significantly decreased the, the cortisol like levels in their body decreased. It was insane. So stress and all this other stuff was released due to just moving your body. So I'm a big fan. Jim quick says he's like, um, Oh, now I'm on the spot and I'm losing it. it says, uh, when you're, when your body moves, your brain grooves. When you're, when your body moves, your brain grooves. It's like, dude, I'll take my calls on walks because when I'm walking, I just feel yep. alive. I'm with nature. Like I'm feeling, even if it's a hundred degrees out, like whatever, like I just feel better when I'm moving, you know, when I'm sitting stagnant, I don't like it. I just feel like, you know, I just feel kind of stuck. So um, moving your body is so important. And like you said, the brain is the most important muscle. It's like tying the two together, right. Blending them together. Um, for an athlete out there too. And another question back to you guys, and we'll wrap up here in, in a sec, but like, how does that work? Right. Like within the, the program, what have you noticed that when athletes really take both sides seriously, and even if it's just the physical side, but maybe they seek some outside help or they just read and do things that might help them mentally that they're just doing right. As a part of their, their process, how have you seen that elevate their game and just keep them more focused? And um, I guess in their developmental process. I, I think it's more comes down to confidence honestly mm. right they they're trusting what they've mm-hmm. done in the past mm-hmm. on the brain side on the nutrition side and on the weight room side 
and on the sleep side that everything they're doing, the results are going to take care of themselves. They might catch four barrels in the game with 110 exit velocity, but go 0 for 4, you know? So it's like, hey, like you got to look at the, not the outcomes, but the, the process, right? Mm. And I think that's what kids see is, you know, like if they can control their process versus their outcomes, for us, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's why you're having success. That's why you're going to your dream school or that's why you got drafted. That's why you're now in the big leagues. That's why you're now you're an all-star. That's why you're in the contention for Cy Young. That's why you're doing different things that we've had our guys do because they have this right. You know what I mean? Mm. And um, probably I would say 85 to 90% of our guys don't even ask about like metal, metal stuff. Would you say Ashton? Yeah. Like that's, that's a big disconnect. Right. Mm, so yeah. um, if we can, if we coaches work, you know, we see these kids more than their, their parents do. Right? right. So if we can, yeah. if we can start, you know, having that conversation with, with each athlete and each coach has a normal conversation with the kid, like you said earlier, asking how you're doing versus like, how was your game? Right. Mm. Um, that's the number one thing. Like I always make fun of kids when they come in it's like, Hey man, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. They tell me how they're doing. They walk away. I'm like, you don't give a shit how, how I'm doing. You know, yeah, um, yeah. like what about, what about me? I'm a yeah. person too. But I just, I, I, joke, I joke, I joke about that too. Like, and truthfully, like not a lot of people ask how I'm doing at the gym just because I'm running, I'm controlling, I'm doing a bunch of different things. Right. So for me, it's like, I want to ask, I know how it makes me feel when somebody asks how I'm doing. So I'm going to ask that kid how, you know, how they're doing. Right. Yeah. So if you can, if you can just start with that aspect right there, like that and put a smile on a kid's face that's that's what's important Ooh. right then that then that relation relationship is built and then once they buy in and trust you you can pretty much do the dumbest exercise in the world in their program <laughs> they're going to trust you you know what i mean yeah. um, not, not saying that, not that, that happens not that we do that yeah know? just but but you know it's just <laughs> like I, I could try something with a kid if i wanted to right or i could kind of go you know, hey, like this is how I traditionally do things, but I'm gonna kind of go off, off, you know, try something else with you in in you know this plyo program or this this throwing program or whatever whatever it may be, just because they bought in that trust with you, with building that relationship, talking about their day and talking about taking their stress about you know off off their plate about baseball. Because one thing I learned working with the big league guys we work with, like 95% of the conversations I have with these guys aren't about baseball, mm-hmm. right. you know. I, the last thing I want to do is talk about baseball when I come home, you know, like, yeah, I'll watch my guys on TV and I'll, you know, support them that way. But, you know, it's like, sometimes it's a grind for me to even play with my six-year-old just because I'm around it all the time, diving in it all the time. Right. But, you know, like we, these guys have wives, they have kids, they have, you know, a girlfriend, you know, in high school or whatever they may, whatever they may be. Um, you know, the youth kids have their, their adversities, right. They might not be fitting in at school. They have different, different aspects. So, you know, asking them how they're doing versus asking them how their game is goes a long way in our opinion, you know, and, and, uh, you know, once they, like I said, once they buy in and then their potential is there, then we're, then we get to do what we're really good at. You guys are good on that side of things. We're good at the development side, the placement side, you know, keeping guys healthy, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just a simple question is how are you, yeah. you know, like just yeah. like showing yeah. that you care and, and it, it's yeah. for a lot, I'm sure you guys have been amazed that somehow some kids will open up and they might not ask us how we're doing. Cause I, I never get it either. Like even yeah. with some coaches, like I sometimes only get it. And so it's like, man, like, I got stuff to tell you. Like, if you ask, if you just say, how are you? Well, I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel. I'm not just going to say good. Right. I, like most yeah. kids are like, good. Okay, cool. Like, go get your work in. I'd see I'd you say, later. I'd say ninety-eight you percent know? of them say that. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, no, really. Like, how are you? Yeah. Like, how are you doing? What's funny yeah. is sometimes at the front, because I'm at the front when you walk into push in Arizona, and um, I'll ask some some guys, and they'll be like, "Oh, I'm exhausted. Like, I just played <laughs> four games. I had like pitched whatever, and I haven't slept." And I'll be like, "Okay, make sure you tell your strength coach." I'm like, "Oh, no, no, no. Like, I need to lift heavier today." And you're like. Yep. No, that's not, that, yep. that's not good. So it's just interesting. Cause you know, th- these kids, especially I've noticed just go through so much and they have so much on their plate and they have homework afterward and that, you know, just all these things. So trying to really communicate with them too. And like, like you said, like see where their head's at and, um, folk, maybe we don't lift as heavy today because your body is not working correctly right now. Yes. So 
just yeah. communication, always coming back to that as well. And sometimes I'm the ears at the front and have to send a text to a coach, be like, hey, this this guy's really tired today. And that's, and that's where the communication aspect comes into play too, right? Where the athlete needs to communicate with his coach on that aspect because then we can communicate with them on the importance of rest recovery. You know, we, maybe we can meditate today. Maybe we can, you know, do a Bible study today. Maybe we can do whatever, whatever it may be that you need to do to get your mind right for the next day, right? Mm-hmm. 1% better every day isn't going full throttle every single day. Mm-hmm. I love that. That is, I mean, that's getting clipped for sure. I know we're clipping that one right there. You're going to see it on Twitter. You're going to see it on IG. Hopefully TikTok, if we can figure TikTok out. Uh, yeah. But yeah, um, the, same, here, same. We yeah, have I know. Account. We just don't know. I have like one person on there. I know. It's like, I see my fiance. She she knows what to do, but it's like, I'm not like that funny. I don't think like, I'm not going to be funny. It's like, I'm not going no shirt, you know, like, it's like, I don't know, like certain things play on TikToks. I'm not a TikTok. I don't, maybe I'm just limiting belief. I'm, Ray, coach me up, coach me up. Uh, but the the things that, two things that you guys mentioned, one, like you said earlier, DJ, like just put a smile on their face. Like, Hey, just put a smile on their face. That might be the only smile they get all day. I mean, from yep. school to homework, to baseball, to home, and who knows what they're dealing with there. Like we don't even know anybody's story, right. Until we really get to ask them. And even then they could be holding them back. And then number mm-hmm. two, Ashton, for you, like you being in the very front, you could be the most crucial part of that athlete's day as well. Like just them walking in, seeing a smile. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, I'm, I was good. I thought I was going to say good, but maybe I'm not good. You know, whatever it is, like just right. being there as that first person that can just lay that nugget or just even just a touch of, of happiness right in their life is huge. I remember, uh, then we'll kind of wrap up here in a second. We've been, we've been rolling, but there was a really good thing. It was when we were first getting into the speaking and I didn't know where we wanted to go with this. And um, we serve with fellowship of Christian athletes as well in town. And we do a lot of things with them kind of worldwide. And we were up in Reno and doing some things with a school and uh, it was an FCA group. And it was like bringing some kids in and well, they kind of botched it because they didn't promote it at all. They just said that there was gonna be something. So they, when they messed up on the announcements, they said, Hey, guest speaker in room 204, former professional athlete in Nevada Wolfpack. Well, up there in Nevada is like the team, right? So most mm-hmm. people are kind of like Nevada Wolfpack baseball. Like, cool. I don't know what happened, but like 40, 50 kids start rolling in. I'm like, whoa, there was one kid in here before. Now there's like all these kids rolling in. Like maybe yeah. that's how you should get kids into the word, right? I don't know, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. But I'm in there and we're, we're giving a talk. I'm just sharing my story. And this is like my fifth time ever sharing it, right? So I'm nervous and, and scared. And we, we wrap up, we're done. It's 15 minutes and everybody starts to leave. They go eat their pizza, their donuts. But there's one kid that's like, like in tears and he's in the middle of the room and I can tell he doesn't fit in, right? I can tell he's an outcast in the thing. Like they might call, I don't know what they call him, but you just tell there's something going on right deeper. And so I go up to him and start talking to him. Like, I think his name was Charles. I'm like, Charles, like, how are you, man? Like, what's going on? He's like, I just want to let you know that I wasn't going to come in here today. And I've been contemplating taking my life. I'm like, Oh, I'm not like a therapist, right? Do I tell somebody? Do I call the principal? I don't know what to do in this moment. I'm just like a normal dude. And so I started talking with him. He's like, man, just the things that you were sharing about being alone, about feeling this way, about the anxiety, like that related to me. I was feeling the same way. And and it was weighing on me because I don't fit in at school. And he just like empties out everything in his life. And I don't know what happened with him, but I know that conversation, just being able to listen, I didn't have to say anything, but for him to just share it with me. And I'm like, I'm changed forever by it as well. But you never know why somebody walks through that door. You never know why you've walked through the door, right? In those teams. So I think it just goes back to the purpose of what we all do and a reminder, like, look, like we get caught up in the grind. There's a lot that goes on, but taking care of the people in our control today, the people that walk through our doors or that we walk into their schools or their rooms, like somebody needs us, right? And just to be that positive inspiration to them is so key. So, um, yeah, that's oh, awesome. sweet. This has been awesome guys. But I mean, this has flown by. It's been an hour almost. So we're, we're excited <laughs> about this. Um, we'll wrap this thing up and, and get rolling, but, um, Ray Ashton and DJ, we appreciate you guys, man, everything that everybody in here is doing. And if there's any way that we can continue to help you guys as well, grow Arizona worldwide, wherever it is, you guys do a great job. We're big supporters and this has been awesome. So we'll have a bunch of, a bunch of good clips coming out soon, but, um, uh, thanks yeah. for spending the time with us today, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. All right.